Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church, North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Clap your hands, everybody. Let's talk about an unanxious life. Growing up in church, I began to create these ideas about prayer, whether they were spoken over me or just ideas that I arrived at, conclusions that I arrived at all by myself. I, I, I had this idea of what prayer was and what prayer wasn't. And one day, those ideas about prayer began to be changed. Let me paint to you the picture of that day. It was uh, long before I was working at the church. I worked for a company called Northrop Grumman, and I led uh, negotiation teams in negotiating multi-million dollar subcontracts, um, government subcontracts. And so on this day, I was in the middle of negotiating a contract that was in the ballpark of 22 to 25 million dollars, somewhere in there, big, big dollars, uh, big government spend, and I was leading a negotiation team. Now, I had a crazy boss who told me you cannot go home today until you reach a negotiated agreement how many ever worked for a boss that was kind of crazy like that and I mean I showed up at six and it was 8 p.m and he's like you ain't going home until you reach an agreement I'm like isn't there labor laws but apparently there wasn't not that applied to me anyway and so I'm in the middle of this negotiation and we're at a bypass and we're not closing the gap and at about 8 p.m my pastor, who I just said will be here next week speaking, he calls me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm at work. He's like, what are you doing at work? It's 8 o'clock. I know, but my boss said I can't go home until we reach a negotiated agreement. He's like, how's it going? I'm like, it's not looking good. I'm glad I brought my pillow because I might be sleeping in my office tonight. I may not go home and we can't settle this. And then my pastor said this to me. He said, well, have you prayed about it? Now, in my mind, I thought God doesn't care. Like, like, seriously, of all the things on God's plate, of all the things that God is concerned about, I don't think he's concerned about this. You know what I'm saying? How many of you maybe had your mom pray about some things that you thought, that's kind of a silly prayer? Like, like why would I pray that? Like, like may, maybe you pulled into a Walmart with your mom as a kid, and she said, pray that God will give us a good parking spot. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, I don't think he cares that much about our parkings. I I don't know. Really? Should we be praying about that? And that's kind of the attitude I've had. I said, well, I don't think it really should bother God with this. And yet, because he was my pastor, and I'm a man under authority, I said, okay, pastor, I'm going to pray about this. And so I went back to my office, and I shut the door because I certainly didn't want my coworkers to see what was about to happen. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I'm going to close the door to my office, and I'm going to pray. And I did, and I prayed. And when I came out, within about 30 minutes, we were able to wrap up those negotiations, and I made it home in time to go to sleep. Praise God for that. But it taught me something. (laughs) It taught me something about prayer, and in that moment, I learned something about prayer. And I want to share that with you today, and it's my goal to teach you what I learned and what I am still learning about prayer. But before I do that, I want to kind of tee up this series for you, okay? I want to show you some of the things that I want to dive into in this series, and I'm going to pull on this statement that I made last week. I might have messed with you last week when I made this statement. Going to heaven is not the goal. 
Remember when I said that last week and some of you are like, the blood of Jesus, what is Pastor Josh saying today? No, no, no. Listen, the goal is not to get to heaven. Heaven is the destination, but it's not the goal. The goal is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to become like him. The goal is to become like Jesus in heaven. That's just a byproduct of us becoming like him. And the reason I said that, and, and three things that I hope to show you in this series is this. Number one, the first thing that I want you to learn in this series is the avoidance of hell is not a way of life. You know what I'm saying? The avoidance of hell is not a way of life. You can't live your life just trying to not go to hell. That's not a way to live. That's not a, that's not a strong enough reason for someone to want to become a follower of Jesus. That's not a why. That's not a purpose. That's not a mission statement. And so one thing that I want to show you that the avoidance of hell is not a way of life. The second thing that I want for you to see is that Jesus is beautiful. Come on, how many know that Jesus is beautiful? I'm like, he's amazing. I want to show you Jesus in this service. That's my goal. So that number three, and this is, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that the way of Jesus is a better way. That's the third thing that I want you to get in this series, that the way of Jesus is a better way. I don't come to church just because I'm trying not to go to hell. I come to church because Jesus is beautiful and his way is the best way. See, there's a lot of ways that you can go. You can follow the culture. You can follow the world. You can follow different influencers. You can follow different religions. But I'm here making my thesis statement that the way of Jesus is still better than all of them. And that's what we hope to unpack in this series together. So let's talk about prayer and solitude. The reason we need to talk about prayer and solitude is simply this. Prayer and solitude is not the way of this world. Prayer, solitude, uh, moments alone with yourself is not the way of the world. The world and the cultural markers of the world that we are living in right now is anxiety and hurry. Anxiety and hurry are the, is the way of the world that we are seeing right now. Now, what is anxiety? Anxiety is just a feeling of worry. And, and anxiety happens when we bring tomorrow's potential worry into today. See, some of you are so worried about something that might happen tomorrow. And instead of dealing with it tomorrow, you're bringing it into your today, and now you're living with worry, and now you're living with anxiety. And that's not the way of Jesus. And, and, and what we have seen really since it, it spiked in 2020, but we were, headed in this we were headed in this direction, is that every single generation now is dealing with anxiety and they're dealing with hurry. Every generation. Like, kids these days are dealing with anxiety. The only thing children should be worried about is what they're going to play during recess, what they're going to eat for lunch, and what they're going to do after school. That's it, right? Like, that's all our kids should be worried about. But I know because my wife is a counselor and she sees kids every day, kids are dealing with anxiety. They shouldn't be. Why should... Tiny little humans who should only be thinking about recess dealing with anxiety. It's hitting every generation. Teenagers are dealing with anxiety. And it's, and it's a struggle. And when I think about a teenager, I think the only thing that teenagers should be worried about is getting good grades. Amen, mom and dad. I'm throwing you a lob. You better say amen. I think teenagers should be concerned about good grades. Okay? Being involved in, their, being involved in the youth group. Okay, being involved with the church, okay? They should pl 
play sports or be active. That's healthy. Don't live a sedentary lifestyle. Be active, okay? And lastly, just some other extracurricular things that mom and dad have for their teenagers. Like, really, that's all teens should be worried about. That's your mission statement in life right now. You know what I'm saying? And, and yet, teenagers are dealing with a lot of anxiety. Teenagers are dealing with depression. And they're dealing with the, the hurry, the hurriness of life. And so it's a cultural marker because once upon a time, the only people that dealt with anxiety were the adults, right? Adults with, with big responsibility and grown-up jobs, and, and they have to provide. And so, so adults were dealing with high levels of anxiety, but in 2020, the, the, it just spiked. It's, it's grown. It's gotten it's, – it's higher. And so what we're seeing is one of the markers – of our generation, in this time right now, in our generation, one of the markers is stress, anxiety, and a hurried life. And it is all about go, 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 do, do, do. And there's no time to just take a step back and have deep, meaningful relationships, deep, meaningful conversations, deep, meaningful work. Everything is just so fast. It's so transactional. And this is not the way of Jesus. This is not the way of Jesus. Let me show you the way of Jesus. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. Jesus was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. I want you to get this because what I'm not propagating is a spa day every Friday. Although it sounds good, doesn't it? You know what I'm saying? Well, Pastor Josh said we need to slow down, so I'm just going to slow down and just binge watch on the, the, the latest uh, Stranger Things episode. I'm going to just binge watch on Cobra Kai. I'm just going to binge. I'm slowing my life down. No, 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 that's not Jesus. Jesus was busy, not lazy, okay? Jesus was busy. But what he wasn't is he was not in a hurry. And I want to show you that through this passage of scripture and for the sake of time i'm not going to read all of the verses because there's a lot of verses and we would be here for a long time but i'm going to give you a couple of verses and tell you the story so when you go to mark chapter 5 we're going to see how jesus handles hurry and so let me read it to you mark chapter 5 verse 21 when jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus is doing the Jesus thing. He walks into a city, and here comes a religious leader, and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. Now, this religious leader, he's in a hurry, and with good reason. His daughter is dying. So he gets to Jesus, and guess what? He scores. He manages to convince Jesus to come. So Jesus says to him, I'm going to come. And so Jesus starts walking towards Jairus' house, Jesus, his disciples, and again, a whole crowd of people who are following him. Now, now in the middle of that, we're introduced to another person, and this is the woman who we don't know her name, but we know her issue. She's the woman with the issue of blood. That's what the Bible calls her. This, this, this issue of blood was for 12 years she's hemorrhaging blood, and the Bible describes that she has spent all of her resources, all of her money to try and, and, and arrive at a cure for her condition, going to physician after physician, trying to find a cure for her condition. But there was no cure. And she had this 12-year nonstop flow of blood, 
And because she finds out that Jesus is there, she herself makes her way to, her, to where Jesus is. Now, the Bible records that, that she fought through the crowd. She pressed her way in, and on hands and feet, she, she, hands and knees, she grabs at the hem of Jesus' garment. She just tugs him at the bottom, meaning she was at a very, very low place, both physically and spiritually in her life. And as she tugs at his garment, Jesus stops, and he's like, who touched me? And I want to pick up on that passage of Scripture now. Mark 5.30, it says, At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Now listen to the disciples' response. You see the people crowding against you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? Disciples are getting a little sassy with Jesus, and I would proceed with caution if I were them. But nonetheless, they've, they're in a hurry, just like Jairus is in a hurry, and they want to get to Jairus' house so they can heal this little girl. But listen, listen to this underrated part in the passage of Scripture. It says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. So what Jesus is doing is like, hold on, somebody touched me. Yeah, Jesus, a lot of people touch you. I know, but, but I'm not leaving until I find that person. So he's looking around. He's, he's, he's looking around. And, and Listen, I want to give an autopsy of the situation now, okay? I want you to see how this situation is playing out, okay? Number one, Jairus is in a hurry, right? He, he's in a hurry, and with good reason. But I'm sure he's getting frustrated as Jesus starts looking around. He's probably like, yeah, can we go? Like, how long going to take? Because my daughter's, and she's dying. Can we hurry up and get home? We got to go now. And so he is in a hurry, and, and he thought everything was looking good. When he came to Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house. And so in that moment, Jairus is thinking, yes, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But now Jesus wants to look around. He wants to pause, and he wants to look around, and I just need him to get home. That's how Jairus is feeling in that moment, and that's exactly how you would feel in that moment as well. Now let's look at the disciples. How are they starting to feel? Well, I just said a minute ago, they start getting sassy with Jesus. If I had to paraphrase the disciples, they were probably thinking something like this. Jesus, it's crowded and everyone is touching you. You are the all-knowing master of the universe. You know exactly who touched you. And yet here you are playing, I won't say, here you are playing around like, like who touched you. You know who touched you. Can we hurry up and get to the house or we're going to miss out on this moment to do the miracle? Let me pause for a second. Why were the disciples acting this way? Why did they all of a sudden get hurried? They had lived with Jesus. They had been together with Jesus. They, they, have, they had seen how Jesus was always busy but never in a hurry, and yet they're hurried. Well, here's the reason why. The disciples allowed Jairus' anxiety to get on them. They, they allowed Jairus' spirit to get on them. And the application lighthouse church is you got to be careful who you let affect you. You got to be careful who you let come into your life and put whatever is on them on you. Everybody put your hand on like put your hand over your heart like this. Say this with me. Say my soul, my soul. is my responsibility. You don't have to respond to every text message you receive. You don't have to pick up the phone. Every time somebody is calling you, it is your job to set the healthy boundaries in your life so that like the disciples who were followers of Jesus, who were spending every moment with him, all of a sudden they got caught up in the moment and now they're anxious. Now they are hurried and now they're out of step with Jesus. Sometimes you will let people get you out of step with Jesus if you're not careful with what you let them put on you. 
So you've got to be very careful. Hear me, Lighthousers. You've got to be very careful. And I know sometimes, like, I've got to respond to that message. I've got to pick up that phone. I, I've, got, I've got to go spend time with thy, that friend because they need me. And to that, I would say to you, and I love you. I love being your pastor. Hear me, I'm your friend. I love you. But you ain't that important. I said that with all love, okay? But you're, you're not that important. Sometimes your non-answer will allow them to figure it out. How, how many of you saw that with your own children, right? Where it's like they're asking you for everything, and, you, and, and as long as you, mom and dad, now we're going into parenting, as long as you, mom and dad, do everything for them, they'll never learn how to do something for themselves. And so sometimes you just have to stop and just let them figure it out. So you got some friends, you just need to let them figure it out. Don't let them push you into the same anxious feelings that they have because your soul is your responsibility. Are you tracking with me so far, Lighthouse Church? But notice Jesus, okay? So Jairus is anxious. Now the disciples are anxious. And Jesus is like, I got all the time of the day. You see, he knew who touched him, but he needed for that person to come forward and say it. He, need, he needed that woman to finally fess up and say, it was me. I touched you. And here's the deal. Jesus was busy, and he wasn't in a hurry. And some of you have people that God is sending into your life, but because you are in such a hurry, you are missing the people that God is sending into your life. You're so rushed that you can't even see the miracle that God is sending into your life. You're in such a hurry, you're missing out on the person God wants you to minister to. You're in such a hurry, you're missing out on the moment that God has teed up for you. He, he brought this moment to, to reveal to you who he is, and yet you're too hurried with your own stuff, your own problems, your, your, your own situation. And yet Jesus is like, listen, man, I'm busy, but I am not in a hurry. And Jairus was in a hurry, and the disciples were in a hurry, but Jesus was happy to just wait. Jesus was happy to just pause and, and to, to be with the woman until she received her healing, and it was only then that he would go to Jairus's house. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see. Some of us miss these moments because of our constant feelings of hurriedness, this constant push of anxiety so how do we push back how, how do we resist to to flow with the culture and how do we push back how do we resist and 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 do things the way of jesus well let's go back to our text here's paul and paul says this do not be anxious about anything about what anything now you might be thinking to yourself oh paul but you don't know my situation i'm an entrepreneur I'm running a business, Paul. You don't understand my situation. Can I tell you where Paul was writing this statement from? Jail, but not just jail. The only time he would leave this jail was when they were going to execute him. He's at the end of his life, knowing full well that the only time he's coming out of his jail is for his execution, and yet he's saying, don't be anxious. How could Paul make that statement? How could a man who's about to die say, hey, don't be anxious about anything? Here's the reason why. Let's finish the verse. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Everybody say prayer. prayer. He says in every situation, you got to pray. He also says petition. Say petition. petition. And here's the last one. Don't, don't bypass this one. Say thanksgiving. 
He says, prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts, and it's going to guard our minds. Come on, how does that sound good to have your mind guarded? Doesn't that sound good to have your heart guarded? Doesn't it sound good to have that kind of peace on your life? Well, Paul's giving you the key. This isn't some hopeful maybe one day, only for certain people. No, no, he's saying for everybody. If you want the type of peace that's going to go beyond all of your understanding, pray, petition, and thanksgiving, and you can experience that unanxious life that he was living. Where did Paul learn this? Well, he learned this from the life of Jesus. Paul was able to speak about this because he first saw it modeled in the life of Jesus. The way of Jesus is that Jesus constantly got away. Jesus constantly prayed. Jesus was constantly in solitude. Jesus was constantly away from the noise. Now, I can't show you every scripture, but I will show you some scriptures. Here are some that come to mind. Mark 135, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Do you have a solitary place where it's just you and God? Because if you don't, you need one. You need a place where it's just you and God alone. No children, no spouse, no work, no emails, no cell phone. It's just you and God. It's moments of solitude. It's moments alone. It's moments away. Some of you are anxious because you don't have any peace in your life. And I'm talking about this type of peace, this, this type of I am going to quiet the house, still the house. And you got to do what Jesus did. You got to get up early. You got to get up early. I know some of you, whenever I started talking about getting up early, you tune me out. You're like, the devil is a liar. I do not wake up. I am not a morning person. To that, I would say, set your alarm 30 minutes before you're used to getting up early and spend that time with him in prayer and in solitude and watch how it changes your day. Watch how it completely changes your life. I'll give you some handles on what you can do on that. But that was the way of Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. I want to be like Jesus. He got up. How early? It was still dark. That's how early. That's why I love the men. Shout out to the men that have been coming to our Thursday prayer meetings. Come on, we're so excited. We got men in here praying on a Thursday morning. Some of these men aren't used to waking up early. When I first reached out to them, I said, hey, could you meet us for prayer? What time, Pastor? Well, I need you there at 5. Help me get set up because we're going to start praying at 5.30 and we're going after it. Why? Because Jesus got up early. Jesus got after it. We want to be like Jesus. Amen, everybody? Mark 3, 7, it said Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. You can go find a place and be in nature and be alone with God. That's okay, too. Jesus would do some of that sometimes. He'd go hang out by a lake. Doesn't Jesus sound cool already? Like, he's just, like, chilling by a lake. Here's the next one. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. I want to read that verse one more time because I think it's so funny. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to them, and sorry, and called to him those he wanted, meaning he didn't call those he didn't want. <laughs> I'm just reading between the lines, right? There's some people who's like, no, nah, you don't come with me. You stay back there. You're a problem. <laughs> I don't want your spirit on me. I'm going to go talk to Jesus, the Father. You're going to stay right there. All right, Mark chapter 6. That's just my translation, okay? That's Pastor Josh's interpretation. Last one. Mark chapter 6, verse 46. It says, and after leaving them, he went to a mountainside to pray. Lots of times Jesus would just break away from the crowds. I, I'm going to step away, and I'm going to be alone, 
I'm going to go on mountainside, and I am going to pray. Listen to me, Lighthouse Church. Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus was a man of solitude. Jesus was a man who was comfortable in silence. Are you tracking with me so far, Lighthouse Church? But I, I want to show you, I want to frame this up for you. It was from these places of prayer and solitude that Jesus was able to be effective in ministry. I'll say that one more time. It was from these places of prayer and solitude that he was able to be effective in ministry. Some of you are not effective to your family because you've not spent time alone as you started your day. Some of you are not effective to your boss because you've not spent time alone. And in Jesus' space, it's all throughout the Bible. Go read the New Testament. You'd read that Jesus would go to a mountain to pray. He'd come back down, and guess what he'd start doing? Healing the sick, casting out devils, performing miracles. And then he would go back up to the mountain. He'd be alone with his father. He'd pray, and then he would do it again. He'd come back down, and then he was able to be effective in ministry. What, what gave him that efficacy? It was prayer. It was solitude. It was being alone with the Father. And, and this is what you need to know. Taking notes is so important. The way of Jesus shows us that prayer is not a retreat, but an advance. Sometimes the only time you talk to God is when you have a need. I'm sick, broke, got laid off, what, whatever it is. Right? It's like, like you only come to him when you're in trouble. And listen to me, prayer is not, a retreat. Prayer is an advance. And, and if you only come to him in prayer because you're in retreat, you're missing out on the power of prayer. I said you are missing out on the power of prayer because prayer is the place where you get to be alone with him. I love this quote by Henry Nguyen. He's one of the, uh, he, he's an incredible author who studied the early church fathers and he said this, solitude is the furnace of transformation solitude, alone time, you and the Father alone. It's the furnace of transformation. Some of you are not seeing any transformation in your lives because you are not comfortable in solitude. You are not comfortable in prayer. You are not comfortable alone with the Father. And what he wants is more alone time with you. What he wants is just more time with you together, you and him in his presence, alone and what is he going to do? He's going to bring his peace into your life. What's he going to do? It's a peace that passes all understanding. What's he going to do? He's going to quiet the noise in your life. When you make him first, when you seek him first, when you prioritize prayer, when you prioritize solitude, when you prioritize devotion, you're going to all of a sudden get a new energy in your life. And what are you doing? You're just doing the way of Jesus. You're just doing the way of Jesus. I'm going to come to a close now. I want to give you some handles for this because so often you hear a service like the sermon like this. You're like, okay, well, what do I do? Let me, let me give you some things that you can go and do. Is this working for anybody so far? How does it sound for some of you so far? And a lot of, we're just dealing with a lot of anxiety. There's a lot going on. Life is difficult. Life is hard. But the way of Jesus says, no, 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 you're not supposed to be anxious. So you're looking for, well, what's my hack? There ain't no hack. You just got to do what Jesus did. So here's what you got to do. Start your morning with prayer. Listen to me, Lighthouse. Start your morning with prayer. Start your morning reading your Bible. Start your morning reading a book. And then, th this is one little key right here, okay? If I can give you this, one little key. Plan your day. Plan your day. Well, what are the three things that if you did these three things today, 
no matter how the rest of your day went, if you got these three things done, you'd feel accomplished. Write those down. Write those down. Because here's the reason why. If you don't plan your day, someone else will plan it for you. If you don't plan your day, some emergency will come and plan your day for you. Something else will come and rob you of your focus. Something else will come and take away your attention on the things that matter most. But it all starts with prayer, Bible reading. If you want to read a good book, read a good book. But spend time with him. I, I can't tell you how much time to spend with him. Like, that's, that's on you. But you got to figure out what works for you. For me, it's a good day when I can spend 90 minutes with him. I don't have 90 minutes. Yes, you do. You're sleeping during that time. You should be with him. So you set your alarm early, and you get up, and you spend time with him. You guys tracking with me? I know it's a discipline, but I can't get up. Sure you can. Go to sleep earlier. Stop playing so much Fortnite. You know what I'm saying? Stop watching those television shows, Mom and Dad. Just go to bed a little earlier. Get up while it's dark. Listen to me. Jesus got up when it was dark. And, and nobody could rob him. And, and just be alone with him. Second thing, spend less time on your device, less time on your phone, whatever it is. Do not let your phone be the first thing you look at in the morning. Some of you, the first thing you do in the morning, you're still in bed. Man, what happened when I was asleep? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what happened. Don't open up your work emails because I promise you there's going to be that one email on that project you don't want to be working on from that person that you really don't like that really needs Jesus and you should be inviting to the block party. <laughs> they sent an email out when you were sleeping and now you're mad and you're moody. No, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. You know the first person you should talk to in the morning should be? Talk to him. Get up early. Talk to him. Leave your phone. Don't, don't, don't look at your phone first thing in the morning. And don't make the phone the last thing you see before you go to bed. There should be a time when you put your phone to sleep. Come on, you put your kids to sleep, put your phone to sleep. I'm serious. Put your phone to sleep. There's a limit. You know, I do this with my son. He knows. There is a time when his phone has to be turned over to me. Every day, there's a time. Parents, if you're not doing this, okay, some notes here. There's a time where he has to turn his phone over to me, and he knows, and he's responsible. He comes up, and he's just like, Dad, here you go. Done. And it's funny, because sometimes I'll just hear messages, messages, mess. It's 10 o'clock, and he's getting messages, and I'm like, why aren't these kids asleep? Those are your kids. Don't laugh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm kidding. With you. I'm joking. I love you all. I'm playing with you guys. But I'm teaching them, you got to put it down. And then parents, the same for you. You've got to turn it off at some point. Put your phone to sleep. Because the last thing should not be the world consuming your thoughts. The last thing you should be doing before going to bed is reading a scripture. The last thing you should be doing is delighting in your Lord, delighting in your Savior. You know what I mean? The, that, that's how we should be ending our day. And here's the third thing you can do, okay? We talked about let's get up early. Number two, let's really watch our devices because that, I'm telling you, your device is creating some of the anxiety you're having. It just is. You've given it too much authority in your life. Here's the last thing. You need more Thanksgiving in your life. You just need more gratitude. 
I'm not talking about the month of Thanksgiving. That's coming, all right. I'm not talking about, you're like, more Thanksgiving? Say less, Pastor. We can do this. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. What, what I am talking about is ending your day thanking God for all the things he has done. You want to know what the, the antidote is to a really bad day? Is finding the good in your day and thanking God for them. You could have had a day from hell, but if you choose to think about it, you're going to find some things that's like, ah, oh, but that was really cool. And you, you get a journal and you write it down, whatever, whatever your flow is. But, but I have a journal that I keep by me at my bed and I'll just write things down. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. It'll change you. The reason you're so anxious is because you're not, you're not living a life of gratitude. Gratitude naturally pushes back against anxiety, very naturally. When you are grateful, you can't be grateful and anxious at the same time. So which is it going to be, anxiety or gratitude? Make a choice. I choose gratitude. End your day in gratitude and watch how it shapes you. Just last night, just last night, and I'm closing with this, just last night my wife and I, we were, kids were down, kind of doing those last little cleanups of the kitchen. Come on, how many parents can relate? Sometimes you're like, I gotta get these kids down so I can just do something, you know what I mean? Let's get these kids to sleep, kind of tidying up the kitchen, and I told her, I said, this has been an incredible year. So this has been one of the best years we've ever had as a family. And, and, and I could tell in that moment, my wife was kind of like, yeah, but is it, you know? And so I began to list some of the cool things that have happened this year. I said, yeah. I said, think about it for a second. Remember early in the year when our son, Jaden, like won the spelling bee for his school and he was mad because we made him do the spelling bee because my son's got one of them ridiculous smarts where he doesn't study but still gets A's? You know, the kind of, you know, the kind of kids you made fun of, you know, talking about like, it's like, it's not fair. And, you know, early on in the year, my, my son had a spelling bee and he never studied. I'm like, why aren't you studying? He goes, because I don't want to win. Well, he won. And then they made, <laughs> they made him compete against other schools. It was like, okay, now you're going to move on and compete against other schools. He won that too. He was just so afraid. I was like, son, you're crushing it. He's like, I don't like this, dad. You know what I mean? But it's like, but I was grateful. And then I told Joy, I was like, and then he got baptized this year. I mean, this year he got water baptized. I was like, this year we got to go on a vacation that we meant to do 13 years ago, but he showed up. So I was like, we finally got to, we finally got to take that trip. And we were just listing all the things. And then I said, and now we're in the building. Come, we're in the building. I'm like, we've been in a tent, and I'm listing all these things. As he says, be friend. I'm listing all these juice, all these things. You got to stop and take inventory of what God has done for your life and say, God, I will not let the craziness of my day rob me of the perspective that you've been good to me. You've opened up doors for me. You have blessed me. You have nourished me. You've always been there for me. And we miss it because we never pause and just show gratitude. I want to pray for you, so if you'd be able to close your eyes and just bow your heads for a moment. With every eye closed, I'm going to ask a question, and then we're going to pray. Here's the question. How many of you are dealing with anxiety? Just hand up. As every eye is closed, just hand up. You got some anxiety going on, and you need prayer. You're just like, I just, all right, you can put the hand down. So this is for you. And let me tell you, a lot of hands went up. Anxiety is not the way of Jesus, and neither is hurry. And I'm going to pray that God would lead you into an unanxious life. Father, in the name of Jesus, you saw every person. That is. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. 
or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.